okay, blah, 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 I'm waiting, waiting. Um, if you want to start by introducing yourself. Cool. So, hey everybody, um, my name is Noah Grady. I use he and his pronouns. I'm a third year studying political science and sociology. Um, first generation college student, and I'm also the president of the Inner Residence Council. We're a on-campus group um, that serves the needs of the 9,300 um, residents here at NC State's campus. I mean, we're comprised of 16 hall and area councils to help us out with representing all those students. So, Awesome. We're glad to have you on our podcast today. So this is going to be our second episode where we are talking about all things inter-residence, all things housing, um, and safety and programs that go into this. Um, so I guess we're just going to kick it right off. So who plans the programs within the residence halls? Um, so it really depends on um, what area, hall or area you're talking about. Um, but typically for our larger councils, say an area council, which is comprised of more than just one building, um, it is typically a designated person. So a vice president of programming or a programmer um, with the consultation of a um, faculty member, which could be a grad student or um, a professional staff member of housing. But for our smaller um, hall councils, so say like a Tucker and an Owen and an Alexander Turlington, that area, typically it's everyone on the council. Um, plans it also with a consultation of their advisors. So it really just depends on what council you're talking about. And what are some of these programs that, like maybe give me two examples of programs, how they kind of go about planning. So talking about the planning process um, and then like kind of considering, are these events smaller, larger scale? And like you said, it kind of depends on the residence hall, but. Yeah, um, so really it, depends on two factors. I would say it depends on um, council executive boards and it also kind of depends on like what is quote unquote like a program that they host typically every year. Um, so a lot of our councils have like programs that are thrown on every year. So for Tucker and Owen, off the top of my head, they call it Battle of the Beach. Um, Wolf Ridge has like a fall fest that they always throw on the Tri-Towers do that as well. Um, so it really just depends on that aspect. I um, mean, it's really kind of a situation where they're in their executive board meetings. They're kind of like throwing out ideas like what would be really cool um, to put on and like enrich that like residential experience. So like turning that residence hall into a home. So that's kind of how the process works. It's not really concrete and set down. Um, when you get to the IRC executive board level, it is more concrete and more laid down. Um, because we do throw on larger programs. Um, so we do have a designated programmer, our VP of programming, Isabella, um, and we kind of walk through the steps of like, here's what the action plan is as well. Um, they do that on the smaller scale, but it's not as like laid out and structured. So yeah. yeah. What are some important aspects of like, what are some things safety related that you think about when you're planning an event? So IRC as a, as a whole, talking about like us on the larger scale, um, one thing that we make sure that we do is um, making sure that we have um, adequate um, security staff. So in particular, at our large event that we hosted um, back in September, PAC Disco, we had 11 staff, one, excuse me, we had 10 staff, one people, one supervisor of staff, one. I um, mean, that was for an event that was overnight. We had about eight or 900 people. 
um, had no issues, um, all that good stuff. We did bag checks. We did make sure no water bottles were coming in. Um, and staff one was really great for that. Um, we also utilized them for our red and white ball event that we collab on with UAB. Um, so that is the biggest safe safety aspect, recognizing like those bigger events where those potential situations could happen and making sure that we have say adequate staff or making sure that like we're you know in a safe area that can be contained in the sense of like staff ones where you know they can see everybody. So um, so what are some safety programs that your residence halls have hosted in the past? Um, so I can't completely speak on this because I haven't really asked um, some of our advisors or advisees, um, and I don't have like super historical knowledge on that. But I know that one program that comes to mind is that sometimes our councils partner with RAs and also um, outside groups. Um, so example I believe that's coming up um, is a council is actually partnering with the RAs and uh, university police um, to put on like a program to educate residents about the safeties of drunk driving, making sure that you know that you're safe and not driving drunk, talking about like designated drivers, all that good stuff, not driving under age, all that good stuff. Um, so I think that those are kind of where the programs tie in, um, particularly because our councils are in this position of where RA's program as well, and I can't really speak on that because that's residential education, but they can tie into like those pieces of like safety because that is a part of the residential education curriculum from my understanding. So, yeah. Awesome. So what are some kind of tips and tricks that you have for student organizations trying to be prepared, trying to plan for events? Um, you all plan large scale events. So like you said, like pack disco. So what are some tips and tricks that you have for student orgs that they can use uh, when thinking about planning an event? So I would say that one is have a good game plan down and it really depends on one, the type of event um, and two, the size of your event. Um, so if it is a smaller scale event, making sure that um, you are cognizant of if it's outside, if it's not, um, if if it's in a well-lit area, if it's not, um, things like that for the smaller scale events. I would say for something on the scale of a packed disco or a red and white ball where there's hundreds of people around, making sure that you contact the right pieces. Um, so whether that's staff one, whether it's campus police, rave events, making sure that like everyone's aware and like getting that expertise advice. Um, because my understanding is, is that it's better to prepare in advance for the unseen. Um, so you want to talk to the experts and not assume that, hey, my event is in a well-lit area. There's going to be 150 people, 200 people, but it's really not. Or there's like a safety blind spot and just making sure that you contact the right experts on campus to make sure that happens. Awesome. Well, that is all the questions that I had for you. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add for student orgs? I know we just kind of talked about tips and tricks, but um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would just say always be, um, and this is from my personal experience, I was a firefighter for a number of years. Um, always be aware that emergencies do happen, but always have like that good plan um, in place. And if you don't know or don't understand or like you're just confused about like safety or emergency, definitely reach out to those individuals who have that larger 
expertise um, because we want to make sure our students are having fun but also are safe at our events. So that's all I got. Awesome. Well, thank you, Noah. Thank you, Emma. I'm Darius Barrow, Associate Director for Student Engagement and Student Involvement Center. My name is Michelle Kurtz. I'm the Interim Director for Student Involvement. Awesome. And if you want to talk a little bit about what you do on a daily basis with student organizations and student involvement on campus. So I work a lot with our communications and operations, so helping manage the space and then developing communication strategies to get information about how to get involved um, out to student organizations as well as communicating out to student organizations. There's a couple different ways we do that between our newsletters, social media, and maintaining our website. Um, and my primary focuses are, one, to supervise the coordinator and advising team for the University Activities Board, and aside from that, another function of my work is with student organization, registration, education, and development. So all the things to do work. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so we can kind of just jump on in and start talking a little bit, kind of a brief overview of the student org registration process, um, as well as maybe some compliance on the advisor side um, and what students should prepare and do to ensure that the registration process goes smoothly? Um, well, yeah, so right now our current registration process and the PRR surrounding the registration process um, require that org leaders, so president and treasurers, go through a mandatory finance training that has been pre-recorded and facilitated by the university. Aside from that, advisors of organizations have to um, go through a series of training modules, one for Title IX, one for the Clery Act, and the other um, is the financial training as well. So, um, so going into moving and using the student involvement space as a resource for students, um, how would a student go about reserving the student involvement space? Yeah, we're really excited because we've made some changes to how students can reserve the space. So we've actually partnered with the NC State Student Centers to include that on EMS through Tally. So depending on what students are looking for, they can go on to the virtual EMS or onto the special um, events kind of uh, submission form, and they can submit that way. And then they can just ask request for student involvement. And it's kind of streamlining the process rather than going to our website where there was a separate building for student involvement. So it's kind of streamlined that. So if students are familiar with how to reserve space at Tally or in other locations, it kind of makes that process a little bit more familiar. That's great. So what are some safety and preparedness tips that you all have for students within student organizations that are planning events? Um, what are some things that you all think about, um, maybe like risk management, thinking like being prepared for that, um, and just all things events? Um, well, I guess I'll start with that. Um, one big tip is 
familiarizing yourself with the space that you're using for your event, whether it be a meeting or some kind of showcase, whatever it may be, kind of familiarizing yourself with the space, knowing where the doors are, knowing where the exits are, and that kind of gives you a good idea of flow patterns. If people are coming in and need to evacuate suddenly, how can you direct them out? And also kind of helps you from a volunteer standpoint. I also believe you can't have too many volunteers, even if you have you know, a 10 to one volunteer to participant ratio, that's still good because you never know when you'll need those extra hands in terms of a emergency event or evacuation situation or spills or anything like that. So more is always better in terms of volunteers. Yeah. And depending on the scope of the event, how many people are attending the level of risk, there are some, uh, requirements for how many people need to be there to volunteer. And there's a process of going through crowd management training, depending on the level of event. Um, I also work with student organizations to evaluate risk, usually using a risk matrix that can be found from, uh, made popular by Texas A&M, but there's a couple ways to evaluate the likelihood of risk and then its severity. And that's something I like to use as a tool when talking with students and evaluating the level of risk that they have. And it all kind of coincides back to the student org registration process. And um, it's a way that we're able to kind of get a better grasp on what organizations are on campus and what they're doing that allows us to provide tools and resources to help them prepare for situations. I mean, the percentage chance of something unfortunate happening at an org event is very slim, but even the fact that there is a chance, we want to make sure every student is prepared and is in the safest environment possible. And what's great is depending on where they reserve space, there are some structures in place to help evaluate that risk once they've gone through that process. So our partners with the NC State Student Centers do a great job of asking the right questions in their, their reservation process. That way it helps kind of kickstart any reviews that we might need. And our office is one of the responsible administrators for special event review. So if there are events that elevate to a special event, we're there and we work with a couple campus partners to review the level of risk and help the student groups navigate um, any additional steps they might need to take to minimize risk and help create a, help create a safe and successful event for campus. Yeah, because no one's expecting um, our student org leaders to be event planners or event management experts. So that's why we have great partners and great and talented staff in place to help the students do great things. So um, I think to Michelle's point, we have a lot of great partners in place and we got a lot of great resources that we encourage students to utilize. Yeah, and Rave Events is a part of the NC State Student Centers and they have a coordinator dedicated to supporting student organization events. So in addition to us, they've got people who are passionate and well-versed in supporting student organizations. So we do see it kind of go into other areas other than student involvement to support student org events. So Michelle, you talked a little bit about kind of the risk assessment model that you talk to or that you kind of talk with students about. Um, can you say or kind of highlight some of the different topics that you talk about uh, when you meet with students about that model? Yeah, so one of the biggest things is identifying the types of risk. 
So some of that might be physical risk. So if we're having a 5K and there's people running on the street, um, thinking about uh, the physical risk. There, you might want to have EMS present or anything like that. Um, there's financial risk, legal risk. So we start with kind of the types of risk. And then thinking about um, the probability. So what's the likelihood of an event happening? So what's the likelihood of someone skinning their, you know, their knee on a run? It's probably higher than the likelihood of, of something more catastrophic. Um, so level of risk, maybe someone having a heart attack is possible, um, but the likelihood of that is way less than someone maybe skinning their knee or, or, rolling their ankle. So we kind of talk through what's the likelihood and what's the impact. If someone has a heart attack, that's way um, more severe than if someone gets a cut on their knee. Um, so having them think through the all the types of risk and the, the potentials for risk, but then evaluating what's the likelihood of that happening. If we think back to concerts, um, when it's 90 degrees and we have 4,000 students outside, the likelihood of feeling the heat is, mm -hmm. you know, the likelihood of heat stroke or some type of heat fatigue is more likely than some other type of risk. If it's 60 degrees, the likelihood is very, very low for heat stroke. So think, taking environmental factors and thinking about that likelihood and then the severity of the risks impact. Yeah, I think the environmental piece is a big one there as well. Speaking back to the concert and just being in conversations about the entrance plan, and we were having hour-long meetings just about how are we going to get students in as quickly and efficiently as possible because if it is 90 degrees or it starts raining or, you know, things like that, how do we get the students in to keep them safe? So, um the environment's a big one, and kind of off of that, paying attention to weather reports is also a big one when you're talking about preparedness, especially um, the time of year we're currently in, where it's hurricane season. I mean, well, just generally being in North Carolina, um, you're prone to rain at any given moment, it feels like, but especially this time of year where you're in the thick of hurricane season, and it seems like we're getting weather alerts every other day about a storm in the Atlantic, and really thinking about time of year when you're planning your event, and then also if the hurricane or tropical storm is approaching, what does that mean for your event moving forward? Yeah, and that's something we talk about with student organizations is how do you communicate out your emergency plan? So whether it's adverse weather, maybe there's a cancellation of entertainment or anything like that, we have conversations around what's your means of communication. If you're not having a ticketed event or a registration that's required, what are your methods of communication? Maybe you're only communicating through your social media and you have 30 followers. That's probably not going to be an efficient way to communicate. Or maybe you have a listserv that's going out to all of your um, anticipated participants. So thinking through ways that you can set up communication, that way you can talk about adverse weather. Um, for concert, we had ways to communicate out to people who reg you know register or to ticket holders. Um, we were able to use electronic billboards and um, the, the billboard outside of Tally as ways to kind of communicate before and during events. So that's something we have students think about. It might look different than how UAB or student involvement might communicate out, but we want them to think about how do you have, do you have a, a communication tree where you can send out to text messages or make phone calls? Do you have a listserv? 
Is there a push notification system from whatever ticketing system you're using? Um, and so what's kind of leading into that, what are some examples of large scale events, maybe just one or two, um, and how students went about planning these, um, kind of what groups and um, what advice do you have for students going forward? Well, I'll say I, I can't necessarily pinpoint one specific one, but I say in terms of category, a big one is 5Ks. Um, student groups are often using that as a means to bring in funds or fundraising for a cause or just to generate awareness about something on campus. So um, especially here on NC State's campus, where we're undergoing a lot of renovation and construction for the beautification of the campus, planning and mapping out 5Ks or just runs in general, you often have to pay attention to the risk, whether you're on the street and you need road closures and what does that look like, or if you're just utilizing the sidewalk and what does that look like if you're talking about the brick sidewalks, are there bricks missing, are there potholes, are there trip hazards? If it rains that day, can you run on those breaks? Just all of those things we're seeing as a category of event that student organizations are gravitating to that we need to be mindful about all of the risks associated um, with. Yeah, and we've got some student organizations that model what a successful and safe 5K could look like. We've got the Krispy Kreme Challenge that's been around for several years, as well as the 9 the 9-11 Memorial team that's been putting things on. So we have new student organizations that come to us to, to plan a 5K or a walk-run event. We would most likely um, consult with those student organizations who have been doing great work. And in fact, we've used them as models in the past to help students kind of navigate through the newness of 5Ks and run-walk run, run events. But we do have some student groups that are modeling what it means to do really great work and thorough um, event planning with 5Ks. So I'd want to make sure we highlight them as we support groups who are maybe more new to walk-run events. Yeah. Um, and with that, also leaning on campus partners. I know um, campus enterprises and student centers, for example, transportation, um, university police have all been great partners in planning not just those events, but other events as well, because event planning and management doesn't happen in a vacuum. I don't know any successful event planner or event management um, team that has sat in a vacuum and executed a well-planned and prepared event, because you need to lean on experts and partners across the board to have successful events. And I think the 5Ks and the walk runs are great examples of university partners coming together for the betterment and success of student-ran events. Yeah. In addition to 5Ks, I know we have a lot of large-scale programs that happen with our university activities board, which sometimes doesn't always feel comparable for other student organizations because the, the nature of their work and their mission as an organization is different. But I also see a lot of our academically-based student organizations hosting either local or regional conferences. So being able to support them in a way and Really, that support looks different depending on where their their conference is located. In Tally, there's a really robust group of people here to support events, whereas some student groups might decide to use them use academic spaces. And we've been able to build really great partnerships with um, R and R to be able to um, work with them to make sure our student orgs are registered and getting the space that they need. So over the last year or so, Darius and I have been working with. Um, registration and records and other campus partners to support groups that are having events maybe outside of Tally and, and other areas. 
because that's another big thing I see students connecting with other students at different places around campus. It's not just Tally, it's not mm-hmm. just Witherspoon, Deer, and Wolf Plaza, they're in Stafford Commons, they're venturing out to Centennial. So being able to support students wherever they're wanting to have events and knowing that one location is going to be different from another. So your plan is going to look different from location to location. Um, and being really intentional and in remembering what worked on Stafford Commons may not work in Centennial because there are different spaces as well. During our registration process, we ask a lot of questions about special events that student organizations are hosting. We ask some critical information that will help us kind of provide information to other campus partners. And one of the questions we ask um, is about if you're going to have minors at your events. And that's one big area that we'd like to help support student organizations in and being able to identify the resources and the process of registering events when you have minors attending them. And we do have a person that's dedicated to working with minors on campus. And there's a great website that outlines how to register your event if it has minors. It distinguishes the differences in events with minors. So are you providing custodial care, which means that um, you are supporting the students without supervision, um, or are you bringing in students that also have chaperones or parents present? So that's something that um, we, we track during the registration process, and we have ongoing conversations with our Protection of Minors team to talk through how to support student organizations as their events um, are approaching. I think that's another big one that we're seeing, especially as more and more groups are dance troops or um, performing arts groups that want to do master classes or workshops or camps or things like that that are bringing in um, minors and just um, working with them skills-based stuff and what does the risk around that look like, the custodial piece or what techniques are you um showing them what physical risk for the minor is there in um, teaching them these techniques and things like that. What does um, legal and waivers look like for those type of events and things like that. So that's another hot button type of program that we're seeing more and more of is the minors piece. Awesome. Um, And that's all great information. So what, finally, what are some tips and tricks or things to keep in mind um, that students should consider when planning events or when um, kind of just going about um, advertising for their student organization? The first thing that comes to mind for me is planning ahead of time. So the pre-planning is huge, and I tend to see student organizations um, not give themselves enough time to plan successful events that fit the mission and vision of of the group. Um, And I think that happens for a lot of reasons. Maybe it's leadership transitions and information gets lost from year to year and you have to kind of start over. So I'd encourage groups to think about event planning as they talk through their leadership transitions and start that early and start to plan things ahead of time. It's okay to start planning a year or a semester ahead. And in fact, if you're planning just a couple weeks before your event, it's probably too late to capture the perfect vision um, and to to plan in the best way that supports the community. Um, So that's the biggest thing that comes to me is planning way ahead of time. It's okay to plan a year out, six months out. Um, and it's okay to push things back. So if you realize that you didn't give yourself time, rather than having an event that isn't completely vetted, isn't 
maybe as prepared, it's okay to say, you know what, we're going to try this in a couple months. And I think because for a lot of our students, building a legacy and having a program you can feel proud of, sometimes you're like, it, but it has to happen. Um, but what's more important that it's safe and successful and fits the mission of your organization. So sometimes it's just taking a step back and re remapping out what that looks like, but knowing that it's going to be okay. If there's some programs that have to happen and then some that it's like, let's take a review and figure out what the best kind of planning situation might look like. It might be scaling back a program, moving a program to a different time of the year, but give yourself plenty of time to connect with campus partners, um, to collaborate with other student leaders and departments, because if you take less time, you're not going to have that opportunity. And the more people involved, the better. Um, the more complicated your program is, the more time you're going to need. So if your event's just going to have a microphone and uh, some cookies from, you know, the store, it might need less time. If you are going through catering services and contracting someone, it's going to need more and more time. So the more complicated your event is, the more time you're going to need. Um. I always encourage student organizations to kind of think and imagine backwards. So think about the experience you want people to leave with and kind of start building backwards from there in your planning process. You want them to feel this sense of belonging. You want them to feel this um, great and wonderful feeling. Well, what are the things you need to do within the event to create that? In order to create that, what kind of logistical planning goes into that? And to Michelle's point, what kind of time goes into that? Um, and also understanding that, yes, we value every organization and everything that they're doing, but there are upwards to 700 organizations all trying to do things on campus. And so um, we encourage you to plan ahead and plan smart because resources are limited just the nature of the university that we don't have everything for every organization. So planning ahead and being intentional with um, your programs, your events is definitely going to go a long way because there's so many organizations wanting to do so many things and we want to support every organization to the best of our abilities. Yeah. And to emphasize that point, I just think it's what's our why? Why are we planning this event? What do we want people to get out of this experience? What do we want to get out of this experience and what can we learn from it? So I definitely echo what Darius is saying and thinking back to what's the why, because sometimes that can get lost and you've planned months of events and you're like, what is this for? Does this meet the mission of our organization? Does this fit our purpose and what we want people to get out of our out of their experience? Yeah. And ultimately, you have to have fun and enjoy it. Like the reason you're involved in the reason your organization is um, ultimately to give back to the university in some way, but it also to learn and have fun along the way. So definitely enjoy the process. It's um, for me, I love events. I love seeing events come to life. It's one of the best feelings I get. And so enjoy it. Enjoy the planning process. Enjoy um, the work that goes into it because that's going to make it more fulfilling and rewarding in the long run. Awesome. Well, thank you all for your advice. Um, really great things for student orgs to think about and just going forward. Um, so again, thank you all for kind of being featured on this part of the podcast. Of course. Thank you.